turn to uh, Psalm 23 this morning. Psalm 23, a psalm that is very well known. We're in a series that we've entitled Summer Playlist. And uh, we have been going through the different psalms. And psalms have a, a place, a unique place in the canon of Scripture because they open us up to a myriad of situations and emotions. Like any good album, there are fast songs, there are slow songs, there are songs of lament and sorrow, there are songs of joy. And God's song list or playlist is filled with all manner of different songs, of different genres of music. And we come to probably the most beloved psalm, maybe the most beloved passage in all of Scripture, Psalm 23, the psalm of the Good Shepherd. Psalm 23 is known by not only believers, Christians, but non-believers alike. If you've been on this earth for any amount of time, you've no doubt heard, whether in a funeral service, whether you've heard it in media, that is, uh, in uh, print or in uh, reciting of it at different events, Psalm 23 is loved and beloved because it shares words that are so true for us as individuals living in this world. Psalm 23, for those that don't know, was penned by David. David, who was a shepherd, he talks about what it is like to be a shepherd and how God, the God of the universe, is and can be our shepherd, the one who protects and keeps us from harm. David recognized what he knew to be true in his occupation, that sheep needed a shepherd. Sheep are dumb animals by nature. And they need to be led. And if they're not led, they are easily destroyed because they're harmless and helpless creatures. And so he uses this picture of a shepherd tending and keeping his flock to tell us how God relates to us as people. And I wonder if it was after a long day of shepherding, in the cool of the evening, as he looked out to the flock that he was tending, his father's flock, that he would begin to pen these words that no doubt probably became a song. He says the following, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Father God, as we come before you, as we read this passage, we are a flock of sheep that need a shepherd. And Lord, I pray that as we seek after you, as we follow after you, that we may see these promises and these truths lived out in our lives. We need you now in this day and in this hour more than maybe ever before. And so we ask that we would humble ourselves, that our eyes and ears would be open so that we may see you and hear your voice, that you may lead us to the place that you want us to be and not into the places that we so often find ourselves wandering into. Lead us now and teach us through your word, we ask in Christ's precious name we pray all of this. Amen. 
It's always difficult to preach a passage that is so well known. No doubt if you followed Jesus for any amount of time, you've heard a preacher preach this probably way better than I will today. But I want to walk through this passage, this very well-known passage, working with a couple things. Number one, I want us to renew our commitment to the shepherd that God has laid before us himself, and then to recognize, to recognize that at times we will follow and go our own way, seeking the greener pastures that God promises. Instead of listening to his truth, we go after them ourselves. There's a phrase in the passage that I want you to focus in on today, and it's a passage that we as Americans need to hear. It's right at the beginning. The Lord is my shepherd, dot, dot, dot. I shall not want. What do you want this morning? That idea of wanting is an idea of striving, of pursuing. It's a desire. It's a dream. What in this world are you longing for? The psalmist says, if I have the Lord as my shepherd then I've got no other want in this world. I have no other need in this world. Because if the first part of the statement is true, that the Lord is my shepherd, then I've got all that I need. One of the great litmus tests of this passage is is if you want to know if you are being properly shepherded by God, that is that you're following your shepherd, then your contentment should be full to the brim. That as you wake up on this glorious day, you say, listen, the Lord today again, as he was yesterday, is my shepherd. I have nothing that I need. I have nothing that I want besides him in my life. Well, sadly, that is not the truth for so many of us. We want lots of things. In fact, what the psalmist is going to tell us is that we can find success in life when we are connected to the shepherd. And we want success in a great many things, my friends. We want success in our marriages. We want success in our parenting. Uh, There are students going back to school this week and they want success in their uh, studies. There are athletes that are looking towards success in athletics. We want success in finances. We want success in life. And we're looking for that secret. Advertisers tell us there's a secret to this success. Now, God's Word says success is found in a vibrant and healthy relationship with the shepherd who will take care of our needs, who will minister to us in the good, the bad, and ugly of life. But we go after success our own way. And we try to pursue it. The Apostle Paul told Timothy that he had found the secret. And the secret was contentment contentment in all circumstances well how could Paul who was imprisoned and beaten and abused for the cause of Christ how could he say he was contented because he knew what David was penning that the Lord was his shepherd so that whether in plenty or in lack whether in the good times or the bad he had all that he needed can you say that this morning the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want. Now, let's just address this for a moment. Who is this Lord that in a relationship with him would cause us not to want or need anything? 
when David says the Lord, most Bibles, if you were to look in your Bible now, you would see Lord capitalized. L-O-R-D. All in capital letters. That is the personal name of God. Yahweh is my shepherd. Now there's a lot of names for God in the Scriptures. Jehovah and many others. But Yahweh is kind of the chief title of God. It was such a revered and, and, and uh, um, superior name that the Jewish individuals, they wouldn't even say the name. It would just be uh, capital letters, all consonants. You would just go over it because the name of God was so revered and so important that sinful lips shouldn't even utter it. And what Yahweh meant for David and for the Jewish people in the Old Testament was that he was the God of the universe, the supreme, the one that had first place, the greatest of all time, all places. He was the beginning and the end. He was everything. And so when David says, Yahweh is my shepherd, the God who created the world that we're in the midst of today, the God who holds time in his hands, the God who places the cosmos in its place, that God who deals with everything seen and unseen is in a relationship with me. Therefore, because my God is so great and so awesome and so profound, infinite in his wisdom, infinite in his power, because I'm in a relationship with that God, I've got nothing I want. Do you see how David comes to that conclusion? Because I have a relationship with the Almighty, I no longer have to strive. I no longer have to seek in this world. I have all I want. So let that sink in. And amidst a COVID world, where disappointment and delays and disruptions rule our day, can we as followers of Jesus Christ, who is our great shepherd, can we say in one voice, I shall not want. You see, David says Jesus is enough. He's all that we'll need. Now what is it about this shepherd that takes care of our needs. What are our needs? Well, notice three things. If you've got one of the coveted bulletins this morning, you can follow along. But my outline's very simple. We're going to see three things this shepherd does, and I'll move through them quickly. Number one, he sets us in the right direction. He sets us in the right direction. So here is what we need to recognize. When we say that the Lord is my shepherd, it is possessive. And so the first thing we have to do is make a decision because there's a lot of shepherds that are out there. For some of you this morning, you are your own shepherd. You are the captain of your vessel. What you dream and what you long for, that's what you're pursuing. You set the direction of your life. For others, maybe you're a younger person and mom and dad are set in the direction of your life and you're just following them. Maybe it's a boss. Maybe it's a dream or some sort of pursuit. Maybe it's your money. But what we need to do is we need to make a decision. I'm not going to pursue those things. I'm going to pursue my, my possessive, my shepherd. And the shepherd is going to lead me. The shepherd's going to feed me. The shepherd is going to be the one who points in the direction we're going 
to go. He is my shepherd. Now, what is a shepherd going to do? Notice, first of all, the shepherd is going to call me to something. For some of us, you say, well, we want the secret, and if God's offering it, I'll go with it. But notice what is said. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Notice that phrase, makes me. He doesn't ask you, do you want to lie down? He doesn't offer, maybe, maybe you should take a load off. He says, it says very clearly, he makes me. It's a command. To have God as your shepherd means you've got to listen to the first command is that you start resting and stop striving. You quit trying to live your life on your own to be the shepherd of your life and you allow yourself to be led. See, that's the great difficulty for so many of us. We don't want to rest. We want our life in our hands. That's why this chapter of our life amidst COVID is so difficult because it's out of our hands. It's so much bigger than us. And what God is saying is you need to let me tell you what to do. Stop toiling. Stop striving. Now notice a couple things about this. You cannot have green pastures, that is food, You can't have still waters, that means drink, without doing what God says. For so many of us, we want the benefits of God, but we're unwilling to obey Him. And God says, to enjoy my shepherding, it means you have to listen. And that involves faith and trust. Because so often we think we know where the green pastures are. We think we know where the still waters are. But a follower of God, the sheep of God's fold, says, God, you know better than I do. And God, even though I don't see it or always understand it, I'm going to believe and I'm going to trust that you can lead me and care for me and minister to me better than I can myself. Now, parents, we get this because we watch our children and we recognize that we know at times more than they do of what's good for them. Now, kids would all disagree right now. But I know in my own life that there have been times where I've watched my children make decisions, and I know there's a better route. I know there's a better decision, and and I want to lead them to that. And sometimes they're willing to do it, and sometimes they're not. And that was true of me as a kid and probably true of all of you. But kids have to trust mom and dad at times that what seems so natural to them may be the exact direction that they shouldn't go in. And likewise for us, we need to have faith and trust that where God is going to lead us is where we'll be at our best. Now there's rest. Notice there's refreshment, green pastures, still waters, food and drink. Now for refreshment to happen, the shepherd has to make sure the sheep are not afraid. And listen, sheep are afraid of everything. And so the shepherd has to make sure that there's no trouble or difficulty. And so what he says is, I want you to sit down and eat. But he has to lead them there. Because what sheep will do is they will see all manner of food and all manner of things. And when they're hungry, they'll eat anything. A vet in Turkey once tried to articulate this by doing an autopsy on a lamb that had died. And it had not been a part of a fold. It had wandered. And when they opened up its stomach, I know a beautiful picture on a Sunday morning, they found plastic 
and steel and iron in its belly. Why? Because lambs, sheep will eat anything when they're hungry. And how true is that for us as human beings? God offers still waters. God offers green pastures. And on our own, to our own devices, we will consume anything because we want to fill the hunger that is all about us. And instead of listening to Him and finding His refreshment, we eat garbage. Jeremiah chapter 2 speaks of this. God says, I've got two sins that I hold against you, Israel. And He says, what it is is you don't drink out of my pure water that is placed before you, sin number one. You turn away from what I offer. And sin number two, you drink out of your own broken and impure cisterns. So Israel had an opportunity. God says, I've placed clean water before you, and you've turned away from that, and you've gone, and quite frankly, what what is being said in Jeremiah, you drink in the sewer. You drink in the sewer. Now we've got a decision. The world offers a lot of things. And it advertises that we'll take care of needs. But listen, by addressing what the world gives, is like drinking in a sewer. All the while, God offers refreshment. And that refreshment brings restoration. He restores my soul. Literally what that means is He causes life to return to me. And so we now have this opportunity to follow this shepherd who ministers to us, who cares for us, But in order to do that, we have to follow him. And where that will go is notice the phrase, he leads me into paths of righteousness. The idea here is you follow the shepherd, and the shepherd's going to lead the way, and he's going to lead to a certain spot. That is righteousness. And so our job is to follow the shepherd. Well, how do we follow the shepherd? The scripture tells us that Jesus, John chapter 10, says he is the great shepherd of the sheep. And how do we follow Jesus here in this 21st century? First of all, we follow him through his word. The word is a light into my path. It's a light for me to know where to go, to know what to do. And in my 44 years, I'm thankful for the word of God because it has led me and has never let me down. And it's told me, even when I've strayed away from it, what is going to happen? And truth be told, every time I've strayed away from the Scriptures, the Scriptures has been absolutely right and true. And it's told me the consequences that are going to befall me. And so we've got the Scripture that leads us where the, where the shepherd wants us to go. But notice there's another important one. And that is through the walk of the shepherd. The walk of the shepherd. We have a shepherd who doesn't just write down, this is where you're supposed to go, this is what you're supposed to do. But the great shepherd of the sheep, Jesus Christ, John 1 tells us, became a man and put flesh on. And he walked and talked and he lived life. And he was tempted in every way, yet without sin, to show us the way to go. Years ago, there was a blizzard that had taken place in the winter. And I had, I believe it was Joshua with me. And we were out shoveling the drive, and Josh wanted to go to the backyard and play on our swing set during this big storm. And he couldn't, because he was so little, maybe four years old. He was a little guy, and he was all bundled up, so it's hard enough to walk without snow up to his waist. And so what I did was I said, hey, Josh, I'll make a path, you follow me. 
And as long as Josh stayed within the path of his very large father, he was okay. It was when he would divert and go his own way that he'd find himself deep in the snow. We have the Word of God and we have the person of Jesus Christ that is leading us to the paths of righteousness. Now we've got a decision. Will I stay in that path or I veer to the left or to the right? And the Bible tells us over and over again through examples of people that either stayed within the path that the shepherd was leading or we've got a great many, let's be honest, in the Scriptures that tell us what happens when they veered to the left or the right of the righteous path that God had. Now, why does God do all of this? Why does God do all of this for His sheep? Very quickly, you can begin to think that the reason is because we're really special. There's a book that was written, I I love it, and uh, it's really helpful for us. It's called Dog-Cat Theology. And it goes like this. If you have dog theology, then you look and you say, you feed me, you walk me, you care for me, you give me all that I need, you must be God. Because I'm lost without you. That's what a dog says. That's why the dog will meet you today at the front door, excited every time to see you because they're lost without you. A cat, on the other hand, says, you feed me, you tend to me, you care for me, you give me all I need. I must be God. Some of you are cats this morning. I want you to know the reason why God does all of this is not because you're the greatest lamb in the world but because his renown is at stake. And this is so very important. Because you're going to go out in the world and there's going to be emaciated animals, if you will, people who are longing and striving for things. And they're going to see you and they're going to see you're well-fed. And they're going to see you at peace. And they're going to see you have all that you need. And it'll be real easy to say, Well, look at the life I've put together for myself. I am a really smart, successful individual. But the sheep who know the shepherd, their response, listen very carefully, is not look how great the sheep is, but let me tell you about how awesome my shepherd is. Do you get that? It's all about him. He's the good shepherd. We're not good sheep. In fact, we are told all like we like sheep have gone astray, going our own way to our own problems and issues. The Bible says that when we wander, Jesus tells the story that we find ourselves in disaster. And so let's recognize this morning that we have all we need. And we've been given so much more than we could ever ask for because we've got a great shepherd who deserves all the glory and praise. So that, yeah, let's give a hand to our shepherd. So then what does that do? We've spent a lot of time, and that's the longest, by far the longest of my points this morning. But what does that do? When we get that in our thick skulls and we begin to live that out, it's going to do two very quick things for us. Number one, it's going to settle us in times of despair. Now notice what he says. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I thought I had a good shepherd. I thought I had a shepherd that leads to righteousness. If I'm a part of this great flock, 
that God leads and feeds and cares for and tends to? Why in the world am I in the valley of the shadow of death? Great question. That's the great question of, of why there's evil in the world. Why is it that even though we are followers of the great shepherd that we might experience difficulties? As a side note, maybe to put these things in, there's a couple reasons why it may be the case. The Bible tells us two reasons why evil exists in the world. First of all, sin. Sin. There may be a reason why you're going through a time of suffering, and the blame should go no farther than your two shoulders. You may be in the situation you are in today because you have wandered away from God. Because instead of following His paths of righteousness, you have followed your own paths of unrighteousness. And the consequences of that sin is there. We see that in the wandering of the sheep in the story of the 99. The sheep wandered away. And so maybe this morning you find yourself in the snare of a predator or in a place of disappointment or struggle. And it's because you are out of step with the Lord. And the Bible says when we confess that sin, our great shepherd forgives us and cleanses us of all unrighteousness. But, but let's talk for a moment. Some of us are in a shadow of the valley, a valley of the shadow of death right now. And by the way, what that means is, is the valley of the shadow of death is one of two places. It is a place that you feel like you're going to die or it's a place where you, all you want is to die. This is a dark place. And why is it that if it's not our sin, what could it be? It could be God's sovereignty. That is, God has allowed that. And there are some trials that God leads us through. There are sometimes God causes us to have to go through those difficulties. My in-laws live up in Galena in the corner of the state. And when my kids were younger, they would always say, Galena's up in the hills. But it seems like there's a lot of ups and downs along the way. When you go to Galena, which is probably a couple hundred feet higher than where we're at here in the plains of Illinois, you would think that the trip to Galena would be straight up. That it would always be moving up. But if you've ever driven Route 20 to Galena, there's a lot of ups and downs. Brothers and sisters in Christ, the road that leads to heaven is not a straight path. It is filled with ups and downs, and we see that with the patriarchs and the prophets. We see that with the apostles and the early church, that there's going to be difficulties and there's going to be struggles, and the reason why is those valleys make the peaks all the more sweeter. It, long, it causes us to long for our shepherd. If everything went well for us, we would have no reason to have a shepherd. And so notice... What happens is, is there's a response. The Christian, when those troubles come, we fear no evil. We have nothing to fear. The book of James says when trials come, we consider it pure joy. When trials come, Peter told the church, don't be surprised. The Apostle Paul said in Romans that when trials come, don't forget, you and I are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. We don't have nothing to worry about in troubled times. We don't have to worry about the future. Why? Because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. David Livingston, the great uh, missionary, put it this way. God, you can send me anywhere. Lay any burden upon me. I only ask that you sustain me. 
sever any tie in my heart except the tie that binds my heart to yours. In a nutshell, David Livingston said, the Lord is my shepherd. No matter what happens, I'm not going to want, I'm not going to worry, I'm not going to fret because the tie that binds my heart to yours, God, is strong. Well, what is it that connects us? Notice the next phrase, he's with me. His rod, his staff, they comfort me. Years ago when my children were young, at different times, and they'd be embarrassed that I say this now, but from time to time they would be little kids. They would be afraid of the boogeyman. And I remember an experience with Luke when he was probably three or four. He was having probably because his older brothers had scared the daylights out of him. But he came and he said, Dad, the boogeyman's in my room. So I said, well, tell me about the boogeyman. He's big, he's, he's ugly, he's mean, and all of that. And I said, well, you've got a big, mean, uglier friend. That's your dad. He's bigger than the boogeyman. How do you know that, Dad? I said, listen, when Dad comes in the room, where's the boogeyman? He's gone. That's right. Because Dad's bigger and badder than any boogeyman, and you've got a relationship with your dad, and so anytime the boogeyman comes, you call your dad, and I'll come running. You don't have to worry, because when Dad's here, the boogeyman's gone. He's like, yeah, you're right. You're right. Let me tell you, friends, The boogeyman, that is the fear of this world, the fear of the devil, for us by ourselves is scary. But we've got a great Father in heaven who's bigger than any boogeyman. And that Father in heaven says, when you call me, I come running. And you know what happens when God comes running to us? The devil flees from us. And he runs away. And we're able to sustain whatever comes our way. Because his rod and his staff, they comfort us us notice it's so great that amidst our struggles and our circumstances we can know that God sets a table before us amidst our enemies as the battle is raging on for your life and the good the bad and ugly of life you are able to be at peace and be able to eat because God is with you I know these days are difficult But God wants you, and I've said this over and over again, God wants you as the sheep of His flock to not simply survive this, but thrive. And that's what Psalm 23 is saying. Amidst the valley of the shadow of death, you and I can thrive because God is with us. His rod and staff, they comfort us, and He places before us the greatest of meals before our enemies because He is at our side. This leads us to one final thing. And that is, not only does He set us in the right direction, not only does He settle us in times of despair, but He satisfies our desires. Isn't that what we want? The Lord is my shepherd. I want some things. So how does He satisfy it? Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The final way the Lord brings contentment is by addressing our desires. That's how he started. I want some things, and the Lord's going to satisfy them. So what does he satisfy? Number one, he satisfies our desire for acceptance. Students, you're going to go back to school, and all the pressures are going to be amongst you again. The desire to be accepted. 
and you're going to play the game of doing what they want, how they want, when they want, because you're going to want your friends, or that is so-called friends, acceptance. And listen, it doesn't end in junior high and high school. People a whole lot older than you students want to be accepted. And we go through all manner of games to be accepted. God says, listen, I accept you just as you are. I accept you as one of my sheep. And notice what happens. He anoints our head with oil. Two reasons why you were anointed in the Old Testament. One, because you were wounded. Oil was used medicinally. And the second one was to set you apart as royalty. What a great picture that is given that our heads are anointed with oil because we are hurting. When, God, when Jesus Christ looked at the crowd in the time of the Gospels, He saw a flock of people that were hurt and harassed sheep without a shepherd. And He came and He anointed them with oil and He took care and bound up their wounds. And then He said, you're going to be My child. And listen, I'm not just the shepherd, I'm the king. And so we are taken from paupers to princes, and we are given a place of acceptance. Notice he gives us possessions. This is so important. Goodness and mercy shall follow you. Think about this. The world wants goodness and mercy, and they strive and go after goodness and mercy all the days of their life. As a follower of Jesus Christ, you don't have to go looking for goodness and mercy. Listen to me. Goodness and mercy follow you. They come after you. You're not running after it. It's running after you. I'll be honest with you. I'd rather have goodness and mercy coming after me than me striving on my own to try to find something I'll never get. And notice finally a proximity. We will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We have a new position. We have possessed all that we need. And now we have proximity, intimacy, and closeness with the Almighty. When David says this, there were only a handful of people in all of Israel that could get that close to God in the Holy of Holies. And what David is saying is, when I'm in his flock, I can be close to the King. I can be close with Yahweh. And so there's much more we could spend on this, but my time has come to an end. So let me ask you this question this morning. Are you following the great shepherd of the sheep? Maybe this is the first time you've heard anything like this. And becoming a part of the flock of God is by openly confessing your need for Him and saying, no longer am I going to try to do this on my own. Now I'm going to let you lead and guide and I'm going to let you feed and teach me because you're the great shepherd of the sheep. For those who have been a part of the flock for a while, maybe wandered off a little bit, my question is, Why do you continue? Why do I continue to strive and toil for things we'll never get in this world all the while we've been promised by the ever-faithful shepherd of the sheep that he will give us all that we need? So confess your wandering and return to the fold where there's forgiveness and where there's intimacy and where there's love. During these difficult days, brothers and sisters, we have a God. We have the God of the universe who welcomes us into a relationship with Him. And that relationship means we no longer have to strive or toil for the things we want because goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives.